Welcome to the Fright Lab. I'm Lucas Yoakum. And with me is Joseph Wren. What are you doing, Joe? Oh, just trying to get everyone in the mood for what is going to be one of the most unnecessary episodes and one of the most entertaining episodes in the history of the Fright Lab. Good evening to you, all of you gruesome people. Now for Lucas's sanity, I'm going to stop with the shark music. Thank you. I, I wish, God, I wish we were talking about Jaws. And there's no one to blame but me because I'm the guy who writes this. But yeah, we've got some stuff to talk about tonight. So uh, the idea for this episode came from a conversation with Matthew Frederick, an author I made the acquaintance of in the past year. Great guy, cool author, knows a lot about blues music. When he learned about my podcast, he sent me a message one night asking if I had seen the movie Shark Exorcist. Of course, I had not seen Shark Exorcist. Why the hell would I have watched Shark Exorcist? <laughs> and yet, one night, I had nothing going on, and I wasn't tied up with work or chores or anything else that I could have been doing better with my time. So I decided to give this movie a watch. And to confirm what you're no doubt already thinking, Shark Exorcist was not a good movie, and yes, it was on Tubi. But, as you might imagine from the previous episodes of this show, this film-going experience, if we want to call it that, uh, made me curious. And, no pun intended, I ended up almost biting off more than I can chew with this movie and its surrounding details. The first question I asked was, if Shark Exorcist exists... What other bad shark movies exist? And friends, Romans, countrymen, listeners, you cannot even imagine how big of a rabbit hole that question opened. Follow us as we enter the world of shark exploitation. I want to play a game with our audience. If you aren't listening to this in your car, and you have a second, I want you to go do something for me. Go to Tubi's website right now and type the word shark into the search bar. Joe, go. can you do that for me? Can you pull that up? Pull yeah, up absolutely. Give me just one moment here. Okay. That's Tubi.com. That's Tubi with an I. Mm -hmm. um, there's a search bar here. I'm going to hit shark. Okay. So. And hit, dear God, what have you done? Okay. So, um... So in case our audiences can't go online right now because they're driving or at work or whatever, I want to walk you through some stuff. Uh, I'm going to try to explain this as best as I possibly can. Given that Tubi is basically a free streaming surface, there are some usual suspects of what you would expect to find. Uh, B-grade movies like Shark Attack, Shark Attack 2, Shark Hunter, Shark Zone, they're in one way or another basically rip-offs or copies of Jaws. Nothing against those sorts of movies. Because Jaws ended up being the blueprint for shark-themed horrors. And we'll, we'll probably touch on that point a little bit later. So, okay, um, you then find some other films which aren't a problem. Educational bits like Sharks, Scavengers of the Sea, and children's animated features. Starring, like cute shark characters. But then there's the other stuff. You have uh, some goofier 
bad shark titles like Jersey Shore Shark Attack, Murder by Shark, Super Shark, and so on. Shout out to Mega Shark versus Mecha Shark. Yeah, bit of a bit of a tongue twister there, but I like it. <laughs> and then there's the final type. Either the most implausible movies or like the most what the fuck kind of combinations. Like the implausible type has movies like Sand Shark, Snow Monster versus Ice Shark, Two-Headed Shark Attack, and Atomic Shark. The what the fuck combinations category is where the real, real bad stuff lives. And I swear, I'm not making this up. Joe, you're looking at the screen right now. You can verify none of this is made up. Dear audience, go go see for yourself. I mentioned a film called Shark Exorcist. But what about Shark Sight of the Moon? Cocaine Shark. Sharkula. Shark Encounters of the Third Kind. Cocaine Shark, Cocaine really? Cocaine Shark, Yes. Sharks of the Corn, and my personal favorite title, though I didn't watch it, Sharkansaw Women's Prison Massacre. I'm not going to say it out loud, but can I get this one um, as a campy popcorn horror movie? Like, just imagine the creature singing the song as they're swimming up towards you. He's you don't hear Jaws. You hear the other thing that I'm not going to say out loud. He's talking about Baby Shark, that terrible kid song. Uh, there's a movie, and it's a kid's movie. It's called Baby Shark and More Baby Songs. Like It's like it's kid's programming. But on screen, it's right next to Super Shark and Mega Shark versus Crocosaurus. Again, I am not making any of this up. Do, 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 do. Okay. As you can see, there is a seemingly bottomless pit of obviously bad, obviously low-budget movies using sharks as antagonists. You don't even have to watch them at any length to get how bad they are. It makes me wonder who the hell is watching these and who the hell is making them. Movies don't come into existence in the world like Athena from Zeus's skull, you know? They are filmed, edited, and released into the world. People have to work to make them. So why does this keep happening? And this is how a rabbit hole forms when you get really interested in genre films, especially horror. So, for tonight's episode and for my sins, I'm going to be your tour guide through a few specific subjects. And to do so, we need to answer some questions. First of all, what are cult films? Second, what is exploitation cinema? And what are some specific subgenres? And finally, a matter of critical opinion. Three, as serious horror fans, what can we view of these movies? What can we say of these movies? Are they worthy of time and commentary? Let's see what happens. After watching Shark Exorcist, I didn't think that I would be talking about it beyond saying, this wasn't a fun watch for me, and it is badly made. Or maybe just engaging in brevity with Shark Exorcist sucks. But as I said earlier, these movies don't come into the world fully formed, right? They are not a thing that grows on trees. Ergo, they don't happen in a vacuum. If all of this is true, we have to accept that these movies have value and are a creation. Being created means they have a message or at bare minimum, an intention. No one makes a movie just because they can. 
A feature-length film is hard and an often expensive process. Even with the advent of like digital cameras and home digital you know, editing software, we have to accept that a movie like Shark Exorcist, which we will discuss in, a li- in, in some detail later in the episode, it's actually at the more extreme ends of this subject. And here's the thing. I don't hate B-movies or even outright schlock. Some of the most important films in my cinematic upbringing were full moon feature productions, you know? I might think that I have good taste in movies, but I also remember my roots. Uh, The famous director John Waters said that in order to have bad taste, one needs to have very good taste. So let's see how good our tastes actually are. Our first question, what is a cult film? Tim Dirks at filmsite.org says that a cult film is, quote, a film that has fared poorly at the box office when it is first shown, but then achieved cult film status, developing an enduring loyalty and following amongst fans over time, often through word of mouth recommendations. He goes on to say that, quote, they elicit a fiery and intense passion in devoted fans and may cause cultists to enthusiastically champion and become devoted to these films, leading to audience participation, band club membership, and repetitive viewings and showings at repertory cinemas. End quote. I think this is an excellent and good capsule-sized explanation for our purposes. It also might be worth naming off some cult films so you catch the vibe of cult films of what we're after. Some cult films are actually really well regarded by both critics and fans. Uh, A Clockwork Orange, Dr. Strangelove, and the sci-fi classic Forbidden Planet. Then you have a lot of more uh, quote-unquote art house movies like Alejandro Jodorowsky's El Topo and The Holy Mountain. They also fit the bill. Uh, Modern oddball musicals like Pink Floyd's The Wall, The Who's Tommy, and De Palma's Phantom of the Paradise could also fall into that category. And as an aside, I think it's incredibly funny that The Who's Tommy was directed by Ken Russell, who directed The Devils, The Lair of the White Worm, and Altered States. What a career, man. (laughs) No Uh, shout out for Rocky Horror? Um... You know, I've seen Rocky Horror live maybe, I don't know, half dozen times. And I know uh, people who have seen it hundreds, if not thousands of times live and have been in the quote-unquote live cast at a Rocky Horror showing. It's not that I dislike uh, Rocky Horror because I actually do kind of still have some affection for that movie. I think it's that I've seen it so many times and it's not like a movie that I am deeply in love with, you know? It's not like It Follows, which I can watch multiple times and never really get bored of. I, it's a movie I appreciate. It's a movie I think is fun. I just don't think it's a great movie. And I'm not, as you might imagine, a musical guy. <laughs> I, Fair enough. <laughs> I don't really like musicals that much. So it's not a thing that I uh, purposefully seek out. Now, that having been said... Uh, Rocky Horror? Holy crap. Yeah, absolutely a cult film. No doubt. Absolutely. Okay, so, uh, but more to our point, right? Horror and horror-adjacent films uh, tend to fall into cult film categories, typically. Uh, 
The ones that immediately come to mind for me when you talk about that is David Lynch's Eraserhead and Blue Velvet, as well as An American Werewolf in London, uh, rather modern film Slither, which if you've never seen is really fun, and podcast favorite Dario Argento's Suspiria. I'm sure our fans can think of any number of horror movies that fit the bill, but uh, Joe, you brought up Rocky Horror. What other movies come to mind when you think cult film? This is a very hard question. I don't know if I should leave this in the show or not, but I'm having a hard time coming up with a cult midnight movie. I, I would think of Gremlins. Okay. Uh, some of the original Nightmare on Elm Street films, the campier ones. I actually want to put my flag in the ground and say Freddy versus Jason deserves to be a midnight cult viewing experience because that's an example of an actual wrestling match being turned into a campy <laughs> horror style movie. Yeah, uh, the first time I saw that movie was actually at a midnight showing. So yeah, okay, we got a valid point. Valid point. Um, you know, the thing that doesn't ever get talked about with these sorts of movies—it's um, a single word: sincerity. For instance, I briefly need to bring up Ed Wood. He needs no introduction from me. He directed Plan Nine from Outer Space, Glen or Glenda. Uh, a bunch of other movies and they are movies that are widely regarded in many cases as the worst ever made they're not they're not that's true not even close no matter how bad of a filmmaker ed wood might have actually been you cannot say that he did not love movies he loved cinema and he really meant to make these movies and he really loved the whole messy ordeal of making a film Ed Wood was entirely sincere in making these movies. And I think the real secret ingredient to cult cinema is that the filmmakers mean it, right? Like, say what you will of uh, Suspiria, right? It's a hard movie to watch in many regards. It is not a typically pleasing film uh, in, the, in the sense that, say, I don't know. We harp, we harp on, on Marvel movies a lot, and I don't want that to be my go-to thing that I kick around. But in the way that like a Ryan Reynolds film is typically fun because he's funny and charming and always looks good on screen, you know, he can churn out five comedy movies in a year and not mean any of it. And I don't know Ryan Reynolds. I'm sure he's a lovely human being. But at the same time, none of his movies are going to be bad movies, right? Intentionally or otherwise. So that brings me to a second question. There are multiple sub-variants in the B-movie faction. Another side of this equation are exploitation cinema, exploitation films. Dylan Schmidt at Delaware's Cape Gazette newspaper describes exploitation films as, quote, Typically, the, quote, exploitation aspect of an exploitation film relies on the use of lurid content, graphic violence, or current social trends to exploit viewers' desire to see such things in a time where most major studio releases were not pushing these boundaries, end quote. So, as a rule of thumb, exploitation films are lurid and a little crude. Uh, sex and violence always seems to sell, right? And there is always an audience looking to see something weird, sexy, or violent. Exploitation cinema is the realm of cannibal hippies, Nazi sex torturers, avenging pimps, kung fu strippers, and so many zombies. 
exploitation sub subgenres also always have fun names like black exploitation, Ozploitation, which is Aussie exploitation, Nazi exploitation, which is exploitation movies about Nazis, and our other subject, shark exploitation. One of the most important things to remember about exploitation films is that they are made for money and mostly not really for art. Now, let me be clear. I don't doubt that many of the cast and crew members of these films were trying their best. Movies like Cannibal Holocaust, Coffee, I Drink Your Blood, and so on. They might be like lurid or cheap or ugly, but they did in some cases launch noteworthy careers or at least a noteworthy following. Uh, many, though far from most, of exploitation films have had a massive impact on filmmaking, specifically horror. Uh, the biggest case for this would be like Rob Zombie. His entire bag from music to movies is deeply indebted to exploitation cinema. But that's ultimately a convo for another time. I'm off subject here, so I'm going to kind of wrap it back around. My ultimate point is that exploitation films are insincere. They are made to make money and almost can't be called art in really anything, in my opinion. With all that exposition out of the way, we need to drill down through one further layer of abstraction and briefly, sadly, explain shark exploitation. Okay, so the short version shark exploitation movies are typically lurid and cheaply made horror or sci fi movies where the antagonist is a shark. You can somewhat credibly point to Jaws as the primal DNA for these movies. Now, I don't personally consider Jaws to be exploitation, but I think it had a nasty side effect of making people very afraid of sharks, a cultural impact we're still living with today. Besides, uh, Joe, I'm sure you would agree with me. Jaws is a good movie, right? It is one of the best films of all time because it shows you what can be done when everything goes wrong and you only have the camera with which to make the emotions appear on screen the way you intend them to be. It's an example of minimalism in filmmaking. At the end of the day, what did they have? For the scariest parts of the film, right? The part where they're actually hunting the shark. They have a boat, they have the ocean, and they have people. And they have a fake shark that doesn't always work all the time. You now have to make Spielberg-type decisions, I would argue Hitchcock-level decisions, where you have less to show. So how are you going to scare the people with their own mind. It's a great film. Okay, so we agree Jaws is a good movie. Therefore, I also feel like I can tell you that Sharkansaw Women's Prison Massacre is a bad movie, and that's without having seen it. How did the shark get into the prison? Doesn't matter. <laughs> doesn't matter, Joe. It doesn't matter. So, okay, with our following brief description of four films, uh, understand that I am not endorsing that, like, you need to see any or most of them. But it's necessary to explain how bad they are before we answer how we should talk about these sorts of movies. 
And before I begin complaining about these awful things, I do want to make a blanket comment about these movies. I don't think that the cast and crew are somehow bad for making these movies. You know, I've said it before, it's a crazy rough world out there and people need to make a paycheck. And if that means co-starring with Tara Reid in a bad shark movie, then, well, so be it. I also admire filmmakers for the work they do, whether or not I like the movies they make. But you know I am not a fan of most of these movies, and I think they're mostly just awful to watch. So, <sighs> Joe, I have to tell you that I feel dirty for talking about most of these <laughs> movies. Like, are, are we doing the right thing? Do we have to do this? <laughs> You wrote the script, my friend. You found some type of artful expression in what is B-movie popcorn made for TV, in some cases, schlock. I insist we do this because, like you said earlier in the episode, to have bad taste, you must have good taste in order to appreciate the good films. You have to watch all the movies, including the bad ones to fully appreciate how good the other ones are. Yeah, okay. You're My right. My God, there's some bad B-movie made-for-TV stuff out there, but there's some good bad stuff, too. Okay, so let's start with what I consider to be the genesis of the modern bad shark exploitation movie, Sharknado. <laughs> the premise is fairly simple. A tornado whips up off the coast, Sucking up a bunch of sharks, tornado lands on U.S. soil, and a combination of flooding and airborne sharks begin wrecking shop. It shouldn't work, but it absolutely does. It does not. Shut up. <laughs> Hurricane David is poised to be the first hurricane. It's a storm. That's what's driven them all up north. I've never seen so many of them are so bold. It's fairly even raining. It's flooding here, and not the plumbing, the ocean. You need to go home. I'm not going anywhere. Storm's coming and it's coming fast. Just can't sit back and watch this. Tornado's heading towards the airport. We need to destroy it before it gets to them. Watch out! Can't just wait here and wait for sharks to rain down on us. bombs into the tornado. It's too dangerous. Too many of them. We're gonna need a bigger chopper. Ah! Claudia, move! It's time to leave Kansas, mate. Okay, so it's not good. It's not a terrible looking movie, uh, but it just kind of looks cheap. The acting is really subpar and the special effects. I mean, uh, they're better than you might expect. Not good, but better than they could be compared to the movies we're going to talk about as we go. Uh, you need to remember that this is a film from The Asylum, which is a production house responsible for all those quote unquote mockbusters. Joe. Would you kindly Google up some mockbuster titles for our audience to enjoy? I'm going to click the wonderful I'm feeling lucky button and say films such as Frozen Land. Okay, so what is that a mockbuster of? That would be Disney's powerhouse film Frozen, Lucas. Okay. 
Uh, there's also something called Atlantic Rim. See if you can guess what that is supposed to be. I'm going to go on a, uh, a joke here and say it's Pacific Rim, maybe. How about Apocalypse Z? Um, so I'm going to guess that's World War Z's bad version. Okay, got well it. Well done. Uh, let me scroll down a little bit here so I can get some more obscure ones. Pirates of Treasure Island. I'm guessing that it is both Pirates of the Caribbean and Treasure Island. I'm going to guess they did not read a lot of Robert Louis Stevenson with this one. How about one of my favorites from the classic days of streaming Netflix? Paranormal Entity. Oh, okay. Paranormal Activities, uh, Mockbuster version. Got it. Got Shall it. we continue? Well, let's give them a couple more. Okay. There is a film called Alien Origin. Huh, okay, so I'm guessing that has to do with the Alien series, or it's a mockbuster of the Alien series. Absolutely. Ridley Scott released Prometheus at one point right. as an origin story, so a few days later, well, yep. the Asylum. Um, I'm going to go with... Here's one that is absolutely my personal favorite on this list, and I encourage you to watch it. Snakes on a Train. Very obviously, the mockbuster of the already silly bad movie Snakes on a Plane. One of the greatest films in all of terrible sci-fi films you will ever see. My friend, have you ever wanted to see a horror movie where the ending is God actually shows up and deals with the creature? No. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, Sharknado spawned five sequels. And it continues to employ the actress Tara Reid, so good for her, I guess. Sharknado is somehow entirely more popular than I can imagine, and I don't really understand why. Some of it has to do with the marketing that the Sci-Fi Channel did, sure. And I think part of the appeal is an ironic sort of love. But I have to be honest that I'm not a fan of that. Sharknado is ultimately kind of a bad disaster horror movie. It makes money because it's ridiculous, I, I guess. I'm sure plenty of ink has been spilled on the appeal of Sharknado. But I have three more films to talk about, so I just couldn't bring myself to go read that sort of thing. All right, next movie. Uh, Shock Shark. In some regards, Shock Shark is better than Sharknado. It's more competently filmed. It doesn't look bad. And the setting is honestly really well done. I actually don't even understand how the crew pulled off some of these sets and some of these shots. It's interesting in that regard. But my praise has to stop there. Why? Well, let me read you a litany of nonsense I found in this movie. Special effects are mostly bad. The rain and fire look awful, despite managing to have a good, realistic flooded area to work in for flooded area scenes. Most of the cast have these awful redneck stereotypes in their roles, and that says nothing of the racist caricature of African Americans of one character. Uh, the humor is mostly bottom-of-the-barrel juvenile jokes. Dick and fart jokes would be a welcome change. The acting, it's highly uneven, though some people are really acting to the hilt, but others look like they're just phoning it in, like you couldn't get a, a good performance either way. Um, I think a more competent filmmaker could have used the utterly ridiculous premise to talk about the plight of poor rural folks and how they're abused by predatory landlords 
and financiers. Let me explain the plot as best as I can. I want to do this uh, extempore if I can. Okay, so there's a trailer park and there's a predatory landowner who wants the trailer park to build something. And the people who live in the trailer park are trying to get free electricity off of a wind turbine. And something goes wrong with their scheme to pull it off. And the area ends up flooded and a shark gets in there and the shark comes in contact with an electrical current. And now the shark is swimming around in this river lake ocean thing with all of these people and their trailers and it sharks and Jesus and it sharks <laughs> and it shocks people before the shark actually kills them. Okay. I have to say rather like incident in a ghost land. This movie is just too crude and too mean to even be an effective commentary on anything. Like I guess if you want to watch it, go watch it. It's free, but <sighs> Fuck, that means we have to talk about Shark Exorcist. It's time. Oh, God. Uh, are you ready for this? I'm not. Joe, did you watch Shark Exorcist? I did not. You bastard. <laughs> okay. Can I ask you a question, Joe? Why didn't you watch Shark Exorcist? Why did you make me suffer alone? I may or may not have purchased a piece of property that is requiring a lot of my time lately. I promise I'll get back to it. Damn you for having a good excuse. <laughs> Damn you for having a good excuse. Okay. Um, Shark Exorcist. Here's the plot, I guess we'll call it. Um, a nun is accused of child murder. She goes to a cemetery. I'm already invested. Okay. The cemetery looks like it's attached to a beach for some reason. And then a woman comes up, uh, unnamed woman comes up and accuses her to her face of being a murderer, despite we just heard a radio broadcast saying she killed kids. Um, the nun promptly murders this woman in a sacrifice to Satan, because of course, uh, and throws the body in the water. And that causes Satan to unleash a satanic shark demon monster into a lake. Stop right there. Yeah. Everything you just said, mm -hmm. I'm in. I want to see this movie. Okay. So if you, I see this description on the internet, we are going to the theater. We are going to see this film. Okay. So you, you're on board with a lake shark. Absolutely. Okay. So you'll roll with this one. Okay. So uh, a group of women go to the lake for some reason, like a year later, like they're going to go like tan or whatever. And while they're there, one of the trio, a woman named Allie, she gets possessed by the satanic shark demon monster. Okay, so then there's a ghost hunter TV show who is trying to channel the shark demon monster after it kills a few people. I, I don't know what the point of that was. It's not really fleshed out. Uh, then Ali kills a guy uh, whose brother is a priest and the priest goes looking for Ali. And now Ali is hunting and killing people in the water. It, so they, they dropped the entire premise right at the very beginning. Mm hmm. Okay, so that's the rough story of Shark Exorcist. You get you, in five minutes of film, you get the the handle. Okay, so uh, whew, where do we start? It's obvious to me that a lot of this film uh, was a director or someone in the cast or crew wanting to see women in bikinis, especially the actress who plays Ali. And for the record, I refuse to comment on the appearance of any of the actresses in this movie. And I'm not going to judge anyone for being in this film, even though I think it's 
awful. Uh, I don't care if you like TNA flicks or if you want to see a large amount of skin being shown in your horror movies. Again, as I always say, like what you like. But the amount of times you see Ali in these kind of vaguely sexual situations, it's really actually unnecessary. She does this thing with her victims. She like circles them in the water. And I know what you're, I know what you're thinking, Lucas, you don't like spoiling movies. Well, screw it. This is one that I don't mind spoiling somewhat. So she like circles them in the water when they're in like pools or whatever. Now is the circling she's doing, is it supposed to be scary? Like imitating the way a shark circles someone in the water? Or is it like a vaguely horny sort of circling? Because it looks like it's a horny sort of circling. Even when she is circling a woman whose character is portrayed to be either uh, developmentally delayed or is having some sort of mental issue. It's just icky. And it raises a bunch of questions, each one more baffled and annoyed than the next. And even then, this movie sort of fails at being sexy. It's just silly and awkward. And that says nothing of the highly uncomfortable sequence near the end of the movie uh, where there's a woman who strips down to sunbathe and take a nap near the lake. And then this stalkery dude comes up and takes photos of her while she's asleep. It's extremely off-putting and it does nothing for the script. And let's talk about the post-credit sequence for just a second. It follows this unnamed woman around an aquarium in some building where she's possessed by the shark, maybe. And it's shot in this way that kind of evokes Werner Herzog, uh, kind of evokes the last sequence of uh, uh, Cave of the Forgotten Dreams, where they go to the nuclear plant that has all of these albino alligators. So it's kind of like Werner Herzog if Herzog was an utter hack. I don't want to be mean about this movie. I hate the cinematic sin and love the cinematic sinner, as it were. But this one is just so cynical, so awful, and it just highlights something very important to me, you know? Okay, two down. Uh, we got to talk about Shark Side of the Moon. Good God. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, okay, so I'm going to do this one quick. Uh, during the Cold War, the Soviet Union accidentally sends mutant war sharks to the moon. Mutant bipedal war sharks. Uh, years later, the U.S. sends a ship to the moon. They encounter the sharks. They talk, and like I said, they're bipedal. And the sharks and their Zarina have a plot to conquer the Earth. This is an episode of The Simpsons when <laughs> the dolphins came out and told everybody how mad they were about everything. I wish it were. I wish it were an episode of The Simpsons. I'm not even a, like a big fan of The Simpsons, and I wish it were an episode of The Simpsons. Okay, so it's not as bad as Shark Exorcist. I have to give credit to the cast for really trying to make good acting and good scenes out of a clearly bad script. I think it's another Asylum movie which should tell you everything you need. But the costumes and the special effects in this movie are honest to God awful. I honestly think that the effects and a lot of the acting decisions were made to be intentionally cheesy. The YouTube channel Sharksploitation Sunday, and no, I'm not making up that channel name. There really is a YouTube channel for every interest. Uh, they did a fun commentary on this movie, and it's going to be linked in the show notes. So go check her out. She's cool. These three movies are straight up exploitation films and not much else. And to answer our question from the top of the episode, 
we shouldn't talk about them. They aren't really worthy of a watch or commentary. If you want to turn off your brain and watch these three, then I guess you do you, right? It's a waste of your time, and if we stopped watching this dreck, they would eventually stop being made. Exploitation films might have a valid place in cinema history, but these are not going to be the ones. I'm sorry. You know, kudos to the cast and crew for acting and making these movies, but holy shit, they're bad. And I know. I've been ranting here. My real criticism is that these movies feel very cynical to me. They are cashing in, with varying degrees of skill, on an ugly cinematic trend. They add nothing to our greater conversation about film and art, and we deserve better, you know? And I like a good piece of schlock now and then, but I love it more when it's sincere schlock. You can tell when someone means what they're doing in a creative endeavor, and all of these reek of cynical cash-grabbing. You know, Joe, a while back, you loaned me the movie that you say is the worst film you've ever seen, a movie called Serum. Absolutely. Yeah, you know, okay, Serum's not a good movie, and I think the cast and crew knew that it was a a B-movie with a shoestring micro-budget. But it's clear that they were trying to make a good horror movie, you know? Whether they failed or succeeded, man, that's up to you. That's up to it's up to the viewer to decide. But it wasn't cynical. They really just wanted to make a movie, I think. And I can't say that about most of the bad shark movies that we've got. You talk about the general definition of an exploitation movie. That's what it is. It's something's happening that's creating a situation that somebody's got to deal with, and then somebody has to get away at the end of the movie. You know, like I talking about the plot of Texas Chainsaw all of a sudden. Sure. Uh, but somewhere here in the middle, you you, you have girls in bikinis and you're going to be hot and people are going to look at you and, and that's just, just, just do the thing on the screen. It sounds like we're talking about somebody making a movie very quickly, very cheaply, uh, with the general outline of make sure that you have pretty girls in it, make sure that you have a killer. This is just what schlock filmmaking has been. It's a very simple story, and I've heard it argued that it's not trying to be artistic. It's just trying to create movies for people that want to sit down and watch this kind of movie. They're not always looking for art. Some people just want to turn on the radio and listen to the same song for the last 50 years, and they can. Other people want to buy records and find new artists and listen to something new because you love the art. You love what music is. I don't think there's anything wrong, but you keep calling it schlock. That's what it is. I forget the quote from the film Ed Wood, mm-hmm. where he's asking for someone to give him money for a movie. And he says, the movies I make, they're crap. They're schlock. Whatever he says, it's on point. It's exactly mm-hmm. what I'm thinking. These movies exist for the sake of getting people to look at them because you've got pretty girls in them, right? Yeah, and I, I mean, sure, the the issue I run into is, like I said, like, I've seen some Ed Wood movies, and I, I'm, man, I'm not a fan of the guy. I admire Ed Wood, even though I'm not a fan of his work. And it's kind of a delicate line to walk, because like I said, you know, there's, there's a part of Plan 9 where you can tell he really just wanted to work with Bella Lugosi. And I get it. Who, as a director, would not have wanted to work with Bella Lugosi when Bella was in his prime? 
Bela Lugosi was not in his prime during Plan 9. He died like three days into filming. That's how not in his prime he was. But he really wanted to work with uh, Vampira and Bela Lugosi and, oh God, what is the, the big bald fellow whose name I cannot remember all of a sudden? Uh, Tor Johnson. You know, he very clearly wanted to make a good movie and I just don't think he had the chops. I don't, I don't think he was ever going to be a good director. I mean, maybe if he had more money and more time, he could have created something really good. Again, I'm not a fan of Ed Wood's movies. I don't think they're very good, but I think they're sincere. I think he, he means what he's saying, whatever it is that he's saying. And, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with uh, a quick and dirty uh, B-movie. Someone who just wants to watch a silly slasher flick. Man, there's nothing wrong with that. I have certainly done that. And as I said at the beginning of the episode, a lot of my like most formative early films are from Full Moon Features. You know, I know that Subspecies is not a great movie in the textbook sense, but it's a hell of a lot of fun, and I enjoy it, and I can put it on for 90 minutes, watch it, not worry. I get it. But a lot of these movies are bad. So, you know, I said at the beginning of, the, of this episode we were going to talk about four films. We've talked about three that I absolutely did not enjoy. But there is one film in this genre that I honestly found myself very deeply enjoying. And that film is named Bad CGI Sharks. Admittedly, it's a little on the nose as far as starting a parody. But the movie, you know, it doesn't go off the rails. It starts off the rails. It was never on the rails to begin with. Young, crazy kids when madness is afoot. There is a shark on land. Well, floating above it like a blimp. I think it has something to do with a script me and my brother are working on. Some sort of voodoo magic or something. You are living an adventure based on your own transportation script. How can you think we have any control in this situation? This is our movie. I'll be damned if we're gonna let some vindictive digital fish kill off the two stars. What do you expect the shark to look like? Okay, so, um, what? <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to explain the plot as best as I can, but I want you to understand that me explaining the plot sounds like I'm joking. It's not. Unlike Shark Exorcist, which sounds just like word salad, just hear me out, okay? So the movie starts off with this cosmic entity, this cosmic force who who's talking about creative inspiration and the power of the muse. He begins talking about a fellow who works for a company that makes bad movies about sharks. This fellow's brother comes to live with him, and he spends some time reminding him of his, his family's creative endeavor to make a movie about sharks. And then they get attacked by, you guessed it, a bad CGI shark. This movie is insane. <laughs> I said I was in earlier, but then you threw the plot out the window and made it into something just trashy and not even the good kind of trashy. This sounds like scary movie 
levels of parody. And I mean the original scary movie, not what happened after the third one. So it, it, it is, but it's different somehow. Like, this movie's brilliantly written, actually, and it's genuinely pretty funny. The cast and crew, small though they were, were clearly having a lot of fun with it. And there's actually some decent filmmaking going on here. Like, most of the shots are good textbook shots, and some of them were actually pretty nice and inventive. The dialogue, it's funny, uh, and it follows a, a clear tone and attitude. It's never confused at any point about what it is other than this movie. And the acting in it, it's genuinely good. So is bad CGI sharks a good movie? Well, it's highly meta and it requires a somewhat working knowledge of the whole modern shark exploitation thing. But I really enjoyed this one. And I think if you're down for that sort of movie, you should give it a watch. Um, you know, Joe, you brought up the, the point of scary movie. And yeah, it's kind of scary movie-esque, but you know what it lacks that scary movie had? A unique plot? A gigantic fucking budget and a bunch of big name actors. Don't forget the Wayans brothers. That's who I was talking about. <laughs> the, the bad CGI sharks has none of that. Like it is shoestring bottom of the barrel stuff in terms of plot compared to the, the monoliths of 90s and early 2000s uh, horror and horror comedy. But I think it's better than that, actually. The vibe I'm getting from it, you can find this. I have a DVD I'll share with you later on. But oh, God. You should take a look at something called Our Robocop Remake. Just looking at the trailer, it gives me that vibe mm -hmm. of, yeah, we're not being shitty for the sake of being shitty. We are making a film with sound filmmaking techniques and using the camera but we're taking it just a step further and saying yeah we don't have the budget for effects what can we do I know how to make a movie I know how to set up a shot I know how to tell a visually interesting story but I don't understand really how to animate a CGI shark <laughs> okay well Kevin Smith talked about it multiple times what do you use when you make a movie for the first time? Use what you have available around you. If all you have is a MacBook, a cell phone, you can make a pretty interesting looking film. You may not know how to animate a shark and make it look real, but you might learn something while making that film. You know, it's interesting because in the last four episodes, we spent so much time talking about horror cinema verite, horror that is trying on some level to look or feel real. And, you know, say what you will of a movie like Grave Encounters. Like, I've heard some people say they don't particularly care for it, uh, they don't like the acting, or they think the, the whole concept is kind of trite. Like, okay, yeah, sure. You can have that criticism, and I think there is a value in that criticism. But again, it's a movie, which means it's created, which it's, means it has a message or an intention, you know? And I think a movie like Grave Encounters uh, does what it seems to set out to do. Scare you using atmosphere, jump scares, and some interesting effects. Okay, cool. When I think about a movie like, uh, sh you know, Shark Shock or uh, Shark Exorcist even, what's their intention, right? Like, what are they after? 
again, I have to say, I think the goal is money. They're just out to make a quick buck. And, that, that's all it is, dude. And, and hey, <laughs> here again, there's nothing wrong with that necessarily. But the problem is you're making money at the expense of film, which, if you haven't noticed, I kind of take as almost sacred in a way. I, I think it's it's spitting on filmgoers, even if they're into being spit on, which, okay, that sounds a lot worse than I mean. But you know what I mean, right? It's I think that filmgoers uh, should expect and ask for more. And a movie like Bad CGI Sharks uh, kind of does it. I think it it's a good response. It's a good follow-up. I This is going to sound like an insane comparison to make. But bad CGI sharks is to shark exploitation cinema what Alan Moore's The Watchmen comics were to superhero comics. After The Watchmen, there's there doesn't seem to me to be any further reason to talk about superheroes because Alan Moore summarized the problem with them perfectly. And bad CGI sharks rather brilliantly says, yeah, you know these movies are shit. Why do you keep watching them? So after spending several weeks talking about found footage and other heady subjects, the concept of this episode is honestly somewhat relieving. I mean, I've been somewhat joking about not wanting to do it, but it wasn't entirely a joke. Um, most of these movies that I watched in the last few weeks for this episode uh, were not great, and I mostly didn't enjoy the experience. But I also have to admit that there are some pretty serious holes in my knowledge of just exploitation cinema broadly. You know, I don't know that much about uh, a lot of black exploitation or ozploitation. The fact that something like Nazi exploitation exists, uh, I don't know that that's the thing I want to learn. For not be difficult, mind fear. You know, Excuse I, me, Mr. President. I know you love your, your Dr. Strangelove, but Dr. Strangelove's no one's exploitation cinema. And really, if the shark exploitation movies are any uh, any indicator, I don't honestly think I'm going to pursue the subject of exploitation very much. There's not a lot here. Mm. It is what it is. And yeah. You've chosen what might be the safest, most acceptable way to talk about the subject as a whole. There's nothing acceptable about shark exploitation or shark exorcists specifically. But it is the easiest way to say to the audience, did you know this exists? <laughs> sure. And now that you know this exists, let's look at how we got here. And now we can answer the question, should we be here? Okay, all of that. Do we need to be here? All of that's well and true, but let's be honest. This has as much to do with that as it does with me diluting a curse that's been placed on top of me. <laughs> you know, but we sort of need to have had this conversation. All jokes aside, you know, we need this, don't we? We need the lows of cinema to appreciate the highs of cinema. You need to have good taste in order to have bad taste. And I don't know if we can appreciate how cinema can be a genuinely ecstatic art form and fill you with the same sense of wonder that a painting or a piece of music can, unless you have the, the bad stuff. And movies like Sh Sh Shark Shock or Shock Shark or whatever it is, I refuse to remember the name of this title, you know... It, a movie like that makes me feel a lot better about watching John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness, you know? <laughs> and the audience, one and all of you, man, you have endured me tonight listening to all of my insane rantings. So I need to ask you the all-important question. What do you think? Is shark exploitation a valuable, like, sub-sub-genre? Do the movies we have talked about tonight actually have greater cinematic value? 
or am I correct? Please tell me I'm correct. I need this, okay? <laughs> In the meantime, you can send your opinions and your comments to our email address, thefrightlabpodcast at gmail.com. We are, of course, on Twitter at fright underscore lab underscore pod and on Letterboxd, which is just a fun app at Fright Lab Pod. Joe, tell our audience about your other non-shark related projects. I'm not sure if shark exploitation films would fall under the nerdy topics that are covered at the Nerf Herder Council. <laughs> good but segue. Been, good segue. I appreciate that. I've been hanging out with AJ talking about Star Trek. These guys, they have everything nerdy under their belt. <laughs> they talk about movies. They talk about Star Wars. If you are a fan of all things heavy metal, you need to check out all the podcasts we are creating at DiscussMetal.com, where we talk about your favorite bands, my favorite bands, heavy metal topics, if this is your first time listening to The Fright Lab, we appreciate you. If this is your first time listening to The Fright Lab, why did you pick this episode? <laughs> God! <laughs> anyway. Give us a thumbs up. Give us a five-star review. Tell us what you think. You heard Lucas say it. The Fright Lab podcast at gmail.com. Lucas, tell everyone how much we love independent media. Unless we're talking about these movies, with the exception of bad CGI sharks... You know, we're actually gigantic fans of indie media. Like, I seriously wouldn't do this episode if we didn't have access to indie filmmakers doing their best and sometimes their worst. And there's this belief that I have. You want to get there quick? Go by yourself. You want to get there safe? Go with your team. We're trying to create that team. If you have a horror movie-related podcast, if you're creating music or art that is tangentially or directly related to horror media, we want to see it. We want to hear it. And if it's possible, we want to give it a plug on the show. So, again, that email, thefrightlabpodcast at gmail.com. And, as always, The Fright Lab Podcast is written and researched by me, Lucas Yoakum. It is co-hosted and produced by the utterly inimitable Joseph Wren, who has never been attacked by a bad CGI shark. That you know about. That we're aware of. We appreciate you all so very much. And we will talk to you soon. I cannot wait to delete this script from my tablet. <laughs> it definitely isn't good. Um, <laughs> the script is fine, but the subject, I mean... Boy, howdy. <laughs> I was prepared to start throwing in weird references to Blackula and all these other exploitation films, but no, we went hard into sharks tonight, ladies and gentlemen. You know... I may not be, like, the biggest fan of that sort of thing, but you can at least point to Blackula and say, well, this has some artistic merit. You cannot say this about other films, man. You just can't. Like, God, I never thought I would want to talk about the last Jaws sequel. Echo, shut the f*** up. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Joe's... You're welcome. Joe's Echo just started asking a question about how sharks feel. I We couldn't plan that. <laughs>